The silliness is always for a point. We're trying to communicate something. And uh, a message in the worship, a message in the skits, a message in everything today. And uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And if we're talking about an earthly kingdom, what would be the bare minimum to have a kingdom? What's, what's the bare essentials that you need for a kingdom to be a kingdom? Well, first, I, I think you would need a king. That would be important. And then the second thing is you would need something or someone for that king to rule over. Now, because the, the king and the something or the someone, he, he or she is, well, okay, it'd be, if it's a she, it's a queen, so, but he, uh, the king is ruling over, what that would take up time and space. And so we would probably conclude that uh, another bare element of the kingdom would be a place. So when Jesus spoke about God, his reign over people, and the space that this takes place in, Jesus used the words, the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven. Jesus spoke many times about the kingdom of God, describing it in conversation, uh, teaching, and through parables, and which uh, I think you've heard maybe several times now, what's a parable? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. All right, just remember, that's a great definition. You can remember that forever. The stories, these were stories that Jesus told that were meant to instruct. Now, today and next Sunday, uh, I'm going to be bringing together many of these parables, teachings, and conversations Jesus had about the kingdom of God. And I want to bring together statements like, the kingdom of God is within you. My kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is not inherited by flesh and blood. The kingdom is near you and enter the kingdom of God. Today and next Sunday, I'm, I'm going to take and gather these statements spoken by Jesus and his apostles in two sections. And uh, part one being today, uh, the kingdom is growing. And uh, part two being the kingdom will be revealed. And that will be next Sunday. So let's take a look at this kingdom that is growing. In Mark 4, we have an account of Jesus sitting down in a boat. Uh, along the shore, and he pushes out just a little while the, the crowd is along the shore listening to him, and he's teaching the people along the shoreline. And in this one sitting, Jesus tells three parables about the kingdom of God, and they all involve seeds and soil. The first is the parable of the sower, which you just heard, our little modern-day version. And the second two parables uh, read like this from Mark chapter 4. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. And thank God he did that because the disciples recorded those explanations for us. The kingdom of God is growing. Three different parables in one setting, all about seeds and soil. So what is this 
that the Lord is trying to tell us. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, now, now, Shannon, these stories with meanings, how can you really know what Jesus meant by them? And if you're asking that, then you've been at college too long listening to your deconstructionist professors who believe you can't really know the true intent or meaning of the words that are written on a page. And if that's the case, and you can't really know the meaning or the intent of what's written on the page, then you can't really learn anything, and so why go to school? Or at least, why go to school under deconstructionists? So folks, uh, I want you to know, we can know the meaning behind these words in the Bible. All right? God has given us a brain, and we can use it. And it's why also God gave us his word so we can know him and know his intent. And, he, and also so that we can obey his word. John 20, verse 31, says that, uh, it's, that the word is written for us so that we might believe. So that we might believe. That's why it's here for us. He's not trying to make it hard. Right? But we really don't have to worry about this, uh, knowing the true intent or the true meaning of this parable, because Jesus explained it. And it's written here for us. The, the parable of the sower, because he says that sentence by sentence, here's what this parable means. And here it is. The secret of the kingdom given to you. All right, Jesus explains. The farmer sows the word. People are the different kinds of soil. Some people are like where seed fell on, uh, along the path. Things in life beat them down. People walked on them, and they allowed their hearts to get hard. And as soon as they hear the word, as soon as the seed falls on the heart, it's taken away by Satan. So what? What did you say? Jesus died for my sins? That's impossible. Grace and forgiveness, it's free. Nothing is for free. You can hear him say it. They've allowed the soil of their hearts to get so hard, they don't allow any reception, any reception of the word into their heart. Jesus goes on to say that some people are like where seed fell onto rocky soil, and the rocks leave no space for the growth of roots. And because they have no root, Jesus says, they quickly fall away when anything becomes difficult. These people aren't willing to remove the rocks or to make space for the word of God in their lives, not allowing its space to take root. Jesus continues to say that some people are like where the seed fell on the soil with thorns and weeds, which are, are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. These folks are not willing to let go and root out these things. You know the only way that you can get rid of weeds? I mean, you can spray all kinds of herbicides, pesticides, and you can mow them, mow them down. But if the roots are still there, it's gonna, they're going to grow back. The way you get rid of weeds is you've got to go in your garden, get down on your knees, and you've got to pull them out and pull them out by the roots. And that's what has to happen with these worries and deceitfulness in life because if they're not pulled out they strangle they strangle the word of god so it cannot grow in your life it makes you unfruitful in your life jesus ends the explanation of the parable saying that some people are like the seed that fell on the soil that remained soft removed and they, and they removed the rocks they removed the thorns pulled them out rooted them out so that the word of god could be received and produce fruit in their lives it's all right the seed is the word of God, and the soil is my heart. So how does this relate 
to Jesus giving away the secret of the kingdom of God. This earthly story of seed and soil tells us about the heavenly meaning of where and how this kingdom is in our midst. Or as some translations put Jesus' words, the kingdom of God, how it is within you. Jesus said that in this present era, that the kingdom of God is not observable with outward signs, where we can say, oh, here it is, yeah, there's the kingdom over there, or, or there, there it is, over there. But I would like to interject uh, just this one little second here. Right after saying this, Jesus says there will be an era, there will be a day when we will see the kingdom be visible. Okay, but we're going to talk about that next week, all right, part two. But right now, I want to talk about the, this point. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in your midst or within you. What in the world does that mean? What in the world? Where, where is this kingdom? Let me just simplify it. The kingdom is wherever Jesus is king. The kingdom is wherever Jesus is king. Think about that. Hearts are soil, seed of the gospel, seed of the word going in. Does he rule your heart? Is he king there? Let me explain more. We said that the kingdom of God is God's people and God's place under God's rule and blessing. In earthly terms, how does a king rule or reign over his people? In earthly terms, how does he do that? Well, by, by giving good laws to govern and guide the people for life in the kingdom. So how does God rule over or reign over us by giving us his good promise and his spirit, his spirit that governs and guides us for life in his kingdom. To those who put their faith in Jesus, he has given the Holy Spirit to live within us. In his last conversation before his crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Later in the same conversation with his disciples, Jesus then tells his disciples there's something else within his followers they live by or abide in. His word, the word of God. He said this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus has told us that God's place and God's rule is within us. The kingdom of God is within you or in your midst. Where is the kingdom of God? Wherever Jesus is king. Wherever he is ruling. Is he ruling over you? Look, look at the second parable of the seed in the soil in Mark chapter 4, which tells more of this kingdom of God's people and his place and his rule. Seed goes into the soil, and it sprouts and it grows. Jesus says, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. What happens when the seed of the gospel, the rule and reign of God, is given room to grow in a person's life? What happens? It grows it matures, and it produces fruit. The Lord desires his kingdom to grow, mature, and produce fruit. The Lord desires you to grow, to mature, and produce fruit. That's what he desires. 
the Lord really desires that of you and me? But, but you know, my, my belief, my faith, it's, it's so small. It's as small as a, a seed. Is it like that mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground? Jesus said, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all, all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. That little seed, that little seed of the gospel of the kingdom, that seed of God's reign in your heart may seem small, but if you allow it to grow, if you tend the soil of your heart, God's reign and rule over your life will grow and you will produce fruit. I handed out uh, these cards to you. Uh, this is a, a mustard seed right here. This is how small it is. And if you're one of those garden freaks who get really nitpicky, it's, it's, it's really probably what we call the toothbrush tree today. Salvadora Persica. I looked it up. <laughs> Learned something new every day. Well, that's a tiny seed. That's what Jesus said the kingdom is like. The kingdom is growing. The kingdom is growing. Maybe you've need, never seen a, a mustard tree or a toothbrush tree, or, but I think most of us have seen an oak tree. And from a similarly, similarly small seed, the Lord will grow you up into oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What did Jesus say the Lord's desire? What would bring him glory? When we bear fruit, when we grow, when we mature. So how does all this happen? How does a kingdom that Jesus says is not of this world grow here and now in us? How is it that we're told the kingdom of God is not inherited by flesh and blood, but yet here we are told by the apostles that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. How can this be? How can it be? The New Testament speaks of our salvation in three ways. Past, present, and future. We have been saved. Past tense. We are saved. Present tense. And will be saved. Future tense. Since what we are saved to and saved for is the kingdom, the kingdom is also expressed in past, present, and future terms. He has brought us into his kingdom. Past tense. We are receiving a kingdom. Present tense. And we will inherit a kingdom. Future tense. All right, let's go back to the seed in the soil to understand this. Does a seed in the soil, a little seed like, like what you have on that card, does it maintain the same form after it begins to grow? No. This little seed, this little dot, could one day have another form in the shape of a shrub or a tree. Now, you know, I can identify this seed and say it's an oak seed or a mustard seed and know that if it would sprout and grow, 
It would take on a form of an oak tree or of a mustard tree. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a growing seed. It has a certain form now, but it is growing and changing. And we do not yet see its final form. The apostles seem to talk about the kingdom in, in every stage, the kingdom we've been brought into, the kingdom we are receiving, and the final form, the kingdom we will inherit. If the kingdom was like a machine, it would be easier to describe because it would be these parts all put together and they would stay the same and never change. And we could take apart those pieces and say, oh, here's how the kingdom works. But the kingdom of God isn't like a machine. The kingdom is like a growing, changing, living seed with parts that cannot be dissected from one another as it transforms from one form to the next. Jesus describes the dying of a seed when it falls to the ground and how one seed then can sprout, grow, and produce fruit or many more seeds. When we die to ourselves, we put off what we want, put off what we desire, and allow Jesus to live within us, there is a spiritual transformation in the dying. A new life is made within us. This inward transformation is always working itself outward in our lives until one great day the transformation will be complete. Listen to this passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 15 that explains how this transformation will occur one day in believers. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a weed or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another and the stars another, and star differs from star and splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised up a spiritual body. This is how, though we are flesh and blood now, will one day inherit the kingdom of God. Our bodies will die. But because of the seed of the gospel, that seed of faith has grown on us, there will be a transformation, a transformation that will occur. And we'll talk more about this next week and why Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world, yet told us to pray for his kingdom, come, kingdom to come and for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what I've shared with you today, what I've shared is that the seed, the seed is the word, God's rule. God's rule and his reign. And it's been scattered onto the, onto the soil, which is our hearts. Some of you might be thinking, well, hey, according to the, to the parable, you know, and what Jesus said, you know, the, the description of different soils, my response or lack of response to the word of God is, is based on my environment. So, you know, hey, my, my, heart, my heart was made hard like that path. I, I've, you know, I had a tough life. Or... Or, you know, maybe uh, you're like the, the rocks. You know, I have a full life already. Those rocks take up space, you know. Or maybe I was born into privilege and wealth. Those thorns have been there all my life trying to choke that. Or I was born underprivileged. And so those thorns of worry have always been there. But you know what the Bible tells us? 
we can't blame our environment for the condition of our heart. It's not to say that I don't have compassion or you don't have compassion or the Lord doesn't have compassion for those who have been bruised and beaten by this world. He does have compassion. But those things are not excuse for what we do with our heart. You're responsible. We're told above all else to guard our hearts for the wellspring of life. You are responsible for the condition of your heart. No matter what this life throws at you. We are each responsible for the condition of our heart. And one day we will give an account of how we responded to the seed of the gospel, the seed of God's rule over our life. And you need to, you need to tend. You need to tend to the soil of your heart. You can do something about that. The kingdom of heaven is within you. If Jesus is your king, the kingdom of heaven is within you. The reign of his kingdom over your life is determined by how you have allowed your life to be dominated by the word, his rule, his good promises, and his good spirit, which are to dwell within and rule without. Right now, we're going to take just a moment to close our gathering here and to respond to what we've heard in worship. Next Sunday, as we, we talk about a kingdom that's going to be revealed, uh, we're going to have a time where we can respond in, in a formal way to say yes. I know that I've had those kind of moments in my life where I had a chance to respond to the gospel, respond to the message of the word. Uh, there's three different times I can remember that was very meaningful in my life. One was when I was 14 years old, heard the message. And it had been after I'd, I'd been reading God's word for two weeks on a daily basis, and somehow that soil in my heart got soft. And when the word was presented to me, I was able to respond to it and receive it. God's reign over my life. Another time happened when uh, I heard a special message about the things of this world. Talking about how they're insignificant compared to eternity. And there was a moment then to respond. And it was those thorns, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. In that moment, I have it written here in this, this Bible that I've carried since I was 16 in the back. It says, May 31st, 1987, 12, 10 a.m. Stuff and things and dots are now left on the cross. Not going to worry about the things of this world. I've had several moments in my life where, there, where I drove a stake in the ground. There are moments. I want that opportunity for you guys next week as we talk about entering the kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God that will be revealed one day and will be visible. Right now, I'd like us as we sing, just have an attitude of prayer, just asking God about the condition of our hearts. Ask him what your heart is like. Ask him what kind of tending needs to be done so you can be more receptive to the rule and reign of God over your life.